Hey guys, me, Alex. And uh, with me as always is producer Michael. <laughs> don't look at me like that. Come on, dude. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Look, it was my turn with the toy. It was my turn. No, don't even, don't even fucking start it. One, it's my fucking toy. All right. I bought it with my well, mom bought it for, for me, for my birthday. I let you play with it, and you were done. Your turn was done, so I took it back. Don't give me... Oh, we big stupid puppy dog guys. No, it was my turn. Yeah, well... Yeah. And what did you do? What did you do? You used your hands, didn't you? Yeah. Hmm? And so I hit you back. So whose fault is it that you have that bloody eye? Hmm? Whose fault? Is it my fault? No, it's your fault. It's your fault. You learn how to share your toy. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, big man, big man. Oh, you're not, you know what? Fuck you. You're off this episode. You're done, dude. You're done. Just hit the bricks. You're benched. Fucking producer Michael. More like producing shit. Fucking jerk, man. He's walked out. He just walked out of me. This is fucking great. You know, this is, this, this is what you, you know, this is what I should expect. You know? Give my heart and soul to this fucking kid. And he treats me like hot garbage. The worst part is, he had all the show notes. And, oh, great, yep. Just heard my door slam. Great. Thanks for slamming the door, by the way. Cool. That's great. Great. My landlady really gonna love hearing that. Thanks, dude. Way to be a fucking professional. Well, I guess, I, I, I don't, I mean, I guess, yeah, I don't have any show prep, so I guess, you know, we'll just, you know what we should do? Uh, best of episode. It's a great idea. Glad I came up with it and chose all these clips. All these clips that I chose by myself and did all the work for. <laughs> so if you can't tell by my little skit, it's a best of episode. Ooh, best of. Uh, we're going to be playing you some clips from the uh, early days of the Alex cast. Not necessarily early days, fuck that. But just a while ago. You haven't heard these in a while or at all, most likely. So listen enjoy and um we'll be back next week i'm not gonna explain why we're not here or will i later in the episode i'll give you a hint one of the people on the show needs to rest in peace huh get it i'm intimating that producer michael's dead he's he's not though or is he bum bum He's he's not he's fine we just, we had a scheduling conflict and we wanted to have an episode this week. So enjoy. Uh, uh, I'm sure this will be fun for you. Okay. Uh, until next time. It's me, Alex, and I will be your narrator today. What will I be narrating? The story of us. The story of you and me together, finally, 
alone in a room with poor acoustics. Not much to talk about. Tonight I have on the show for a guest. He is the owner of Conspiracies. He is the host of the Higher Side Chats, daring to ask the hard questions like who pulls the strings. He's the man that blazes the trails of chemtrails, illuminating the Illuminati, making the lizard people run in fear. Greg, my man, how the hell are you? <laughs> Better every day, man. I love that. Good did, job. Did I do it right? Yeah, yeah, right, that's good. about it. All right, I I really appreciate it. That took a lot longer than I care to admit. <laughs> uh, so let's get the uh, audience at home caught up because, well, I'm I think ninety nine percent of my audience knows who you are. But so Greg wow. is the host of the Higher Side Chats, which you can find at what's it HigherSideChats dot com, or do we want to throw a the in there? Uh, there is a the. There okay. is a the. The HigherSideChats dot com. Yep, you got it. Yeah. So uh, you are the what? What, what did I read your thing today? It was weird trying to research you because I've been listening to your show for a while and we've spoken before. So I was like doing research on your friend. It's kind of odd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were you were a guest on my show and you did a great job with that uh, tarot reading. I'd say it's been pretty accurate. Oh, good. Uh, very, yeah. very glad to hear it. Yeah. The uh, Oh, that was it. That you were the mellow Alex Jones. That was that was the one. I oh, thought, yeah, 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 yeah. I was. I, um, I tried to describe the show, or well, I used to describe it, at least on Twitter, I have it as uh, a bolder coast-to-coast hosted by a more mellow Alex Jones, because I like to do the paranormal and the conspiracy, and I think those two are the most recognizable shows out there, but I think both of them do it wrong, or, don't, or could do it better, I should say. Yeah, I totally agree. I, uh, I was thinking you've, you've got more of a, trying to describe you, like kind of a, just a younger, less mm, idiotic Art Bell vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Not that Art Bell's an idiot. I shouldn't say that. I mean, he was up at three in the morning taking phone calls from people saying they were kidnapped from a base. So it's right. You can't really you can't really uh, get a lot out of the guy. It's the material presented. It's tough to, you know, come across as uh, intelligent or, you know, having a lot of forethought. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I could not do it. When I hear the the call ins on Coast to Coast, I think are the worst. And I think the reason that happens is because they're always on a conservative network. So these people are listening to Rush Limbaugh, then they're listening to Glenn Beck, then they're listening to Coast to Coast, and they start calling in about the Bible and all kinds of crazy stuff. And yeah, I, I could not deal with that. It would drive me nuts. I moved out of the Midwest for a reason. I would not want to go back <laughs> to that type of talk. Yeah, uh, 100% <laughs> agree. That always throws... Actually, that's a good thing. I wanted to ask you about that. So I've been... One of the things I was listening to your show that always kind of amazed me, same as listening to the old Art Bell shows. I, I, I don't know George Norrie as much, so when I, when I think of Coast to Coast, I always think of Art Bell. But um, your ability to deal with guests that are saying some, some really wacky stuff is kind of amazing to me because being a listener, you know, I'm a rube on the midway. Like you're, you know, you're tricking me into getting mad at this guy. But when you're talking <laughs> to people, is it, it makes me very happy. But the religious thing is what Thurby is. Do you have like, for me, it's, when a conspiracy person had nowhere starts quoting the Bible or starts, you know, it turns Bible. I go, ah, fuck it. I can't listen yeah. to you anymore. Do you, do you yeah. have one of those yeah. in your head? That's probably what annoys me the most of, of everything in the kind of conspiracy world. It is uh, people who are fundamentalist Christian and uh, new agers, really new agey, uh, airy fairy kind of people. Uh, that kind of annoys me too. But those two groups, when, I, I hate when Christians will make everything about Satanism, all the symbolism that they see in Hollywood or uh, you know, hip-hop, whatever. They make it about Satanism, and they simplify the whole conspiracy 
down to a bunch of Satanists going against Jesus. And it's just like, wow, that is the worst conclusion, the worst narrative constructed from a few data points that I have ever seen. Yeah, that's it's a bad one. I I like reading about those a lot. I mean, I can't do it in one sitting because I start to kind of fume. But I love what uh, the hip hop one. I would, I got you know just a vortex of reading about how Jay Z is uh, the head of the Illuminati and the Illuminati are Satan worshippers, and they're all from videos of him holding his hand above his head. Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. Some people go into the hip hop thing with well. Gordon White is a guy that I really like. He's a, a chaos magician, and he runs a blog called Rune Soup. And he broke it down when I talked to him. He's like, you know, a lot of these conspiracy researchers who are trying to decode the magic elements, they don't have a background in magic. So they have a really poor understanding of magic. So they're coming to some really off-the-wall conclusions and kind of just they're, just, they're just wrong. And uh, I kind of agree with him. And so, yeah, you can see a whole lot of odd interpretations, but it's because people don't have a strong basis in what the true symbols are. And I mean, I don't either, but I'm not the one who's, you know, making a living writing three books about symbolism in Hollywood. Yeah, indeed. One, I'm glad you had Gordon on the show because, yeah, I was introduced to him a while ago because he kind of looks like me. And someone said, hey, we found this, I think he's English guy that looks like you and does strange chaos magic stuff. So I was like, oh, I have to. And yeah, I, I like him quite a bit. He's a that's a good guest. Yeah, yeah. I, you guys definitely have a similar tone of humor in your writing, I would say. And yeah, I, it makes sense that you'd appreciate him. He's pretty cool. Yeah, it's funny. You were talking about the, the Gordon mentioning the um, not understanding the symbols. I I get this a lot with listening to your show and listening to a lot of other shows and reading books and whatever that it's the same thing with people not understanding how science works <laughs> the, yeah. where the same way, like on the, on the weird side is not understanding symbolism and, and the symbols used by certain groups and everybody thinking there's some vast conspiracy where it's, it's almost like watching somebody like cross themselves, like a Christian cross themselves. And if you've never seen it before, you'd be like, Oh, that's the weirdest shit ever. Um, the same with the science stuff is that you'll get people trying to like, explain these concepts and it's like well if you just had a just a passing familiarity with actual science not the quantum vibration of water this would be a lot easier on you you know yeah i i get that and i guess what i try to do when i have someone on the show as an interviewer i try to i consider myself i guess like a conspiracy entertainment talent scout and i try to find people and then whatever their position is i try to help them you know, hold their hand and walk them through a two-hour show that presents their information. So sometimes that means playing devil's advocate to make a case stronger. Sometimes it means just getting them out of the weeds and helping explain what they're trying to say and, you know, trying to fit it into the bigger conspiracy puzzle. You know, every everybody's got a, uh, you know, a different perspective and you kind of try to take pieces from everything. I like to think that there's at least some interesting aspects to most of these people's positions, even if they um, may, might be operating under some faulty knowledge of science. But I guess a lot of them also just take the position that you can't trust official sources, and they might take that definitely to the extreme. I've interviewed one guy, Eric Dubay. He is a flat earther, and he thinks that all of science, NASA, everything, has been 
a false construct to convince people of a particular perspective that we're just a, a nothing in a random universe. And uh, I mean, <laughs> that's probably a little far. That's yeah. probably jumping the shark a bit. Well, he's but he, I, no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, but I was I do think there there is something to be said about uh, the official sources lying to us in a lot of cases. So some people, you know, take that to varying degrees. But I guess I would agree on that loose premise that we've been lied to in some major ways. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with that. But that flat earth guy was the one that I mean, we me and a couple of my other science minded friends were going into epileptic seizures about how annoying he was to listen to because not to listen to I shouldn't say that you as a host did a good job because you had me captivated by how like I recommended this interview to other science people going oh be annoyed with me hold my hand and be irritated but he just lacked the fundamental science to like all of his points are are, were just driving me nuts as someone that you know I have a familiarity with science like and enough that it was Oh, the, the fury I was feeling. I was like, oh, well, good job, Greg, because it didn't even occur to me at the time. But I'm like, well, yeah, that's exactly what you should be doing. You have, you know, you have me captivated. But I think people like that, not that they're doing a, a bad thing, but I tend to believe that there can be conspiracies, but it gets watered down a lot with that side of it, you know, where everything's a conspiracy. Ave Satani, everyone. Welcome to the Alex Cast, Samhain Edition. Halloween. Mocha. The veil between the two worlds is at its thinnest today, and I've promised to peruse my vast magical library and find something dark and occult to read to you on this most sacred and dark of days. And I have found it. If you are of a traditional religious background and fear hearing words of dark significance, I would recommend fast-forwarding a bit. If not, if you're ready for, well, the darkest and the deepest of the tomes I carry, I shall read one to you. And this, in the original Latin, is called Dimensum Tres Fratres. There were once three brothers who were traveling along a lonely, winding road at twilight. In time, the brothers reached a river too deep to wade through and too dangerous to swim across. However, these brothers were learned in the magical arts, and so they simply waved their wands and made a bridge appear across the treacherous water. They were halfway across it when they found their path blocked by a hooded figure, and death spoke to them. He was angry that he had been cheated out of three new victims, for travelers usually drowned in the river. But death was cunning. He pretended to congratulate the three brothers upon their magic, and said that they had each earned a prize for having been clever enough to evade him. So, the eldest brother, who was a combative man, asked for a wand more powerful than any in existence, a wand that must always win duels for its owner, a wand worthy of a wizard who had conquered death. So death crossed to an elder tree, and on the banks of the river fashioned a wand from a branch that hung there, and gave it to the oldest brother. Then the second brother, who was an arrogant man, decided that he wanted to humiliate death still further, and asked for the power to recall others from death. So death picked up a stone from the riverbank, and gave it to the second brother, and told him that the stone would have the power to bring back the dead. And then Death asked the third and youngest brother what he would like, 
The youngest brother was the humblest and also the wisest of the brothers, and he did not trust death. So he asked for something that would enable him to go forth from that place without being followed by death. And death, most unwillingly, handed over his own cloak of invisibility. Then death stood aside and allowed the three brothers to continue on their way, and they did so. Talking with wonder of the adventures they had had and admiring death's gifts, in due course the brothers separated, each for his own destination. The first brother traveled on for a week or more, and reaching a distant village, he sought out a fellow wizard with whom he had a quarrel. Naturally, with the Elder Wand as his weapon, he could not fail to win the duel that followed. Leaving his enemy dead upon the floor, the oldest brother proceeded to an inn, where he boasted loudly of the powerful wand he had snatched from death himself, and of how it made him invisible. That very night, another wizard crept upon the oldest brother as he lay, wine-sodden upon his bed. The thief took the wand and, for good measure, slit the oldest brother's throat. And so death took the first brother for his own. Meanwhile, the second brother journeyed to his own home, where he lived alone. Here he took out the stone that had the power to recall the dead, and turned it thrice in his hand. To his amazement and his delight, the figure of the girl he had once hoped to marry before her untimely death appeared at once before him. Yet she was silent and cold, separated from him as though by a veil. Though she had returned to the mortal world, she did not truly belong there and suffered. Finally, the second brother, driven mad with hopeless longing, killed himself, so as truly to join her. And so death took the second brother for his own. But though death searched for the third brother for many years, he was never able to find him. It was only when he had attained a great age that the youngest brother finally took off the cloak of invisibility and gave it to his son. And then he greeted death as an old friend and went with him gladly and equals they departed this life. Jack O'Lantern. Jack O'Lantern is uh, a fun uh, uh, origin story. So I'm just going to read it to you straight up from uh, uh, history.com because they do a good job describing it. <clears throat> Once three brothers were... <laughs> See, it would be funny if I did that, but I didn't. Uh, the legend of Stingy Jack. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. True to his name, Stingy Jack didn't want to... Oh my god, I can't believe I'm doing that. It's stingy. Is that how you spell stingy? Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. True to his name, Stingy Jack didn't want to pay for his drink, so he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin that Jack could use to buy their drinks. Once the devil did so, Jack decided to keep the money and put it in his pocket next to a silver cross, which prevented the devil from changing back to his original form. Jack eventually freed the devil under the condition that he would not bother Jack for one year and that, should Jack die, he would not claim his soul. The next year, Jack again tricked the devil into climbing into a tree to pick a piece of fruit. While he was in the tree, Jack carved a sign of the cross into the tree's bark so the devil could not come down until the devil promised Jack not to bother him for ten more years. Soon after, Jack died. As the legend goes, God would not allow such an unsavory figure into heaven. The devil, upset by the trick Jack had played on him and keeping his word not to claim his soul, would not allow Jack into hell. He sent Jack off into the dark night with only a burning coal to light his way. Jack put the coal into a carved-out turnip and has been roaming the earth ever since. The Irish began to refer to the ghostly figure as Jack of the Lantern and then simply Jack-o'-lantern. 
In Ireland and Scotland, people began to make their own versions of jacks and lanterns by carving scary faces into turnips or potatoes and placing them into windows or near doors to frighten away stingy jack and other wandering evil spirits. In England, large beets are used. Immigrants from these countries brought the jack-o'-lantern tradition with them when they came to the United States. They soon found that pumpkins, a fruit native to America, make perfect jack-o'-lanterns. Well, isn't that a nice synopsis, you son of a bitch? Uh, it is some day of the week. It is probably 2012. Uh, the Bakhtun hasn't turned yet, and we're alive. We're ready. I'm staring at a very messy desk. I have a bottle of Viso Energy Dynamo, which is the uh, calorie version, because I needed to pick me up, and there's some sugar in here. I'm sweaty because I've been working out. Now, you might be thinking, wait a second, I turned on the Alex cast, right? Like, you... you don't work out, but yes, I do. You know why? Because I'm trying to not be fat and I don't want to die next year, which is very likely judging by what my doctor tells me. I'm getting hugely ripped at the moment, having done an upwards of 10 push-ups and in excess of 40 Hindu squats. Look at me go. Yeah, it's an empty, empty life. Since last I joined you, I have written, let me see here, can you hear that sound? That's the sound of a notebook. One, two, three, four, that's the sound of me counting. Five, six, seven, oh god, eight, nine, over ten pages of uh, writing tablet ruled six by nine inch sheets of notes on my upcoming book, The Periphery. That's going to take a while to edit. I wanted to edit now. I was going to do it after I worked out, but I decided that I didn't want to write today because I have tomorrow off, and instead of celebrating Memorial Day, I will uh, type. So, uh, instead of doing the thing I should be doing, like writing a book, I am going to record a podcast, which you might have noticed is what I'm doing right now, and did a little working out. Now that that's done, we are good. Let me tell you some of the notes I wrote here. Uh, about my upcoming book. There must be entirely more of one character, or she should be cut out completely. This entire part makes no sense. What the hell are you talking about? Uh, the death scene makes no sense. Um, wow, this line is just awful. This part of the story is completely forgotten about, even though you made a point of spending two pages on it now. The incident at 129 is the part of the story that makes no sense. This is the weakest part of the story. You need to figure this out. Um, I think that's all the really fun, dramatic, these things suck notes I made. Um... Whatever. So those are my notes. Alzo. And I know... How much did I talk about Roger Waters last time? I did, because I referenced how I have bad luck with him, didn't I? I hope I referenced that, because I'm not going to talk about it this time. Uh, so I went to Roger Waters on Tuesday. And... As far as I can tell, none of my friends died. Uh, I didn't break up a major relationship... 
mostly because I didn't have one, and I also don't have many friends. So it's quite possible that my curse, the Roger Waters curse that's discussed last episode, but just to recap, I uh, saw Roger Waters a few times in my youth. One of the times I sat in the seat purchased for a friend of mine uh, who, between the time of purchasing and the concert, had died. And the next time I went the day after a significant, like, four-year-long relationship had broken up. Uh, Roger Waters, bad luck. So this time I went to the Roger Waters with my friend Lillian. We went up here and went, and it was a pretty good show. It was uh, all from The Wall, his, I suppose, seminal work. I dug it. A lot of people liked it more than me. I thought, I think a lot of it, and that's why I kind of wanted to recap the emotional investment here. I thought a, a lot of it uh, wasn't very emotional to me. And maybe it's just because of what it was, or maybe it's just the passion of the thing is gone. It did kind of make me depressed, just because, like, I'm, I'm, you know, steadily aging and alone, and he's kind of aging since last I saw him, and it's just kind of a... I mean, whatever. As far as a concert is concerned, it was very good, fun to listen to. Uh, as far as performance, it was fine. It just, you know, I suppose what I bring to it, and what I brought to it was negativity and hate, as I bring to everything. Uh, that's not true. That was dramatic. Dramatic. Some of the funnier parts was uh, Roger Waters in his doddering old agedness was pantomiming all the lyrics. So, like, when he said see, he would, like, pantomime looking, or, like, I hear, and he pantomimed this big hearing, like, I'm broken, and he, like, fake breaking a stick. It was it was tremendously awful, actually. But his voice still sounds good. He still plays bass rather well. The, the stage design was fucking wonderful. They, like, built a wall over the course of the show, and then he sung, like, a couple numbers behind the wall so you couldn't see him, and then, uh... Uh, yeah, there was, they had the blow puppets and the pig, and then there was a lot of, uh, uh, anti-government stuff, anti-corporation stuff, which was, you know, fine, sticks with the thematic concerns of the piece. Yeah, it was fine. I enjoyed it. I would recommend that to anybody. And, uh, then at the end of the concert, they drop the wall down, and you're like, hey, look at that, they drop the wall down. Yippee! Yippee! I've said this before, sorry. Yeah, no, it's all right. <laughs> have you heard anything, uh, speaking of Frank Herbert, have you, have you, are, are you hip to, uh, the Jadorowski? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's been occupying my time too, because it started before I collected Richard Powers cover art. I, I was collecting copies of Dune, like different. Oh, really? From around the world. Oh, that's oh, cool. oh yeah. That's where, kind of where my, that's where it started. The sci fi collecting, yeah. I think, I think started. And then, uh, um, you mean the book covers? Yeah, because there's a lot, actual the, different versions yeah. of of Dune, all, you know, all the way to Chapter House Dune, and even yeah. and then I started getting uh, uh, Brian Herbert and Kevin Anderson's their spinoffs yeah. after that, which the new one just came out, Mentats of Dune. I think. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't fuck with it. Yeah, I, but the Jodorowsky one is when you really get into that thing. I bet the uh, that documentary is coming out. I don't even. Yeah. I'm not quite sure if it'll actually hit theaters like in Portland. But there, there'll be there's there'll be a way to find it. But man, I am so fascinated on the like it is literally like the greatest movie that was never made, or it was probably it could have been pr- kind of hokey and cheesy, you know. Yeah, or th- Orson Welles was going to be in it. Mick, that the one that- Mick Jagger, David Carradine, Salvador Dali. Salvador Dali, that's the original uh, thing. Yeah. A soundtrack by Pink Floyd. Yeah. Uh, creature effects by Geiger. Yeah, Every, it was it was just so stacked that I was like, no, I think I think it would have been kind of amazing. I, but it's up there. I I think there's one. I think you got to go with Terry Gilliam's uh, Quixote. 
mm-hmm. as the greatest movie that never got made because it was so many attempts for it. Who knows if it would have been a great movie, yeah. but so many attempts. But um, yeah, the just to catch the audience up, Jodorowsky is this. Uh, is he? Do you know what country he's actually from? Is he Mexico? I think it's. Um... Wow, I don't know. I think, yeah, maybe. I think, or Argentinian, or Argentinian. I, I can't. I I can't remember. I don't well, know either way, he's just he's just really trippy. Spain. I don't know. 1960s, 1970s director. Probably goes further back than that. But the movies I know him from is uh, and he's famous for is uh, Holy Mountain, uh, El Topo, and yes. probably there's like one more, right? Uh, I think it's Santa Sangre too. I think. Yeah, that Santa sounds Sa- kind of. I don't think I saw that one. But either way, he's this really trippy, surreal, just oddball director. Very 70s over the top like clockwork orange meets uh like uh, naval gazing art house film like just the 20 minute scenes of naked girls doing occult ceremonies and then some guy dresses jesus shooting someone with a six shooter just weird shit and he was gonna do frank <laughs> herbert's dune which was the hot property going around hollywood for mm-hmm. quite some time and um because it, it would it was passing hands like the yeah the project was passing hands I still think I, I I still think they should do it again. I think they should do They're it. They're talking about it again. There's there's again rumors. I actually think I okay. I'm gonna word it this way, but it's something along the lines. Of one of the one of the um, studios I think just bought the right the movie rights to it again. I, you or know something I, along those lines. And, and I, I yeah I periodically hear that too. I just yeah. want it to be like a real thing. I mean I'm still I'm still one of the faithful that I thought David Lynch's one. I thought David Lynch's Dune was rad. I was, I was so into the books when, and then that movie, I just, and everyone's, every, all the uh, critic reviews are just like, yeah, just how, talk about how horrible and how such a failure this thing was. And I was like, well, David Lynch agreed. He took his name off of it. He, he, he did yeah. an Alan Smithy on it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, the Jedder Warsky one. So they made a documentary about it and it's, it, I think it's released now in, in some film festival. I think I'd read yeah, but, it's a, it. It finally made its way to the States. Yeah. So hopefully. We'll be able to see it soon, but I, I would love to see a remake. One, I liked David Lynch's Dune. I liked him more before I read the books because, mm-hmm. um, I didn't read the books until, I don't know. I mean, I read them a while ago now. I think about it. I read them when I was like 20. Um, but that was still like 15 years after that movie came out or something. I mean, that movie was out, you know, when I was quite young, but mm-hmm. so I liked the movie and then I read the books. And I'm like, these books are fucking infinitely better than that stupid movie and i i don't know if i would have i probably actually would have liked the movie more if i did it the other way but like it just those books blew it out of the yeah. goddamn water once i got yeah. to the, the fourth uh, i think god emperor of dune is the fourth but I, once i got to that i was just like oh my god this is killer uh that's when Le- like leto turns into a full yeah he's a, turning into I a full room think- a full worm that reminiscent of like job of the hut floating around on some kind of like thing. Well, yeah yeah he, that is four. Just, yeah yeah he's just all known yeah because there's doom messiah and children of doom yeah yeah it's dune dune messiah children of dune yeah god emperor of dune and, and so, then the two it, shitty ones yeah, <laughs> yeah chapped yeah that's a uh chapter house is the last one and, and the, yeah the other one yeah whatever um the uh yeah, I love those books up to the last two. And the last two weren't that bad, but they were like a little like, like I remember one where like the big reveal was that the Bene Gesserit are actually Jews. And it's like, <laughs> like you fucking made that really obvious in like the first book, maybe the second one. Like mm-hmm. it was so fucking odd, like every part of it. Like, I don't even know. He, I'm sure he didn't say directly in any of the previous books, but you would have to not have been paying all that much attention to <laughs> well, the not whole, figure that out. <laughs> yeah, and the whole series, if you if you the whole if you look at the whole series, it's all about which which faction survives through the millennia, yeah. through, through the more than millennia, I guess. I guess it keeps going and going and going, but these 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 uh 
the you know the guild and then the humans and the gola and the and Jezzeret. Yeah. like they're always they're always still yeah, the Talaxians or I don't know how you say it, but yeah, yeah Axians. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, one I caught. So I'm actually rereading Dune right now. I'm on. Uh, I'm actually on God Emperor right now. Um, because I haven't read it in a while, and I was trying to read something that has nothing to do with the book I'm writing, just because I, I, I just I have a hard time. I, I'm really good at like if I'm hanging out with an English person, I'll start saying fucking English phrases. So like I don't. I know that words start seeping into me. So I I have to read stuff that's nothing to do with my book. So I'm reading that and. At one point, they talked about the Ixians or whatever, the IX, yes. those people. Yeah. And that they're kind of like a lost people. Their technology is really desired, but it's almost like they're, I don't think they're still around, or maybe they're just the remnants are still around. Mm-hmm. But at one point, they say, um, well, their name, their, uh, they got their name because they were the ninth planet from their sun, which is Roman numerals right. for nine. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, is this? And I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's because they don't talk about Earth. Like, I don't think they ever reference the no. planet. Like, as we know it. And um, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I was like, oh, nine. I'm like, what a hint that's dropped. I'm like, oh, fuck. I wonder if that's... Okay, so they're the ancestors of the first humans that left the, left the galaxy. So they're the, are, they're mm-hmm. the humans we understand. And I missed that completely the first time I read the books. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, what a what a neat little... It's. I mean, again, not to, <laughs> not to keep bringing fucking back to my stupid book. Like, But that's the shit I did in Periphery. Like, there's a lot of, like, hidden little dumb shit in there that I'm like... Mm-hmm. I, that I love doing that. So when I went back to to fucking uh, Brian Kerber, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Oh, you did that. Oh, look at you. And I was like, oh, it's it was really fun because look at you. Yeah, there's a whole bunch. Look at Jews. You know the Bene Gesserit. Oh. But uh, oh, that reminds me too. Well, it's got to be a pretty good book if you want to read it twice. Yeah, well, all of them. Yeah, up until the last two. I might give the last two another chance if I'm still reading it when I'm reading when I'm writing this book because again, it's really good to not influence my writing. And maybe I'll give them another chance to see if they're not as yeah. bad as I thought. But. I think I think the last two, yeah, they got like nothing to do with Paul or Leto, right? Like that's most of it. It's it's all about the Bene Gesserit. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a sisterhood of Dune. I think. It's one yeah, of I think that's it. And then Chapter House, but yeah. Um, so I was looking today online, and I was uh, digging around looking at uh, ritual ceremonies, hermetic ceremonies, mm-hmm. or whatever. And I find one, and it's a ceremony about trying to relieve yourself from anxiety, and it talks about I need, putting. I need this. Putting on a cloak. Well, I I have a I have a bookmark. <laughs> I'll send it to you because you'll you'll love what happened. Talk about putting on a cloak and getting your ceremonial dagger and starting a thing, and they go doing the whole walk around and go and repeat and repeat this. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death. And I, what the fuck? It's like, a litany against fear. The, the literally word for word, the litany against fear so by the Bene Gesserit. So right. I go, whoa, whoa. whoa. Is the Lindy against fear something that actually existed before Frank Herbert? I'm like, oh, did I, I like, oh, I guess he just took a prayer from somewhere else. So I look at the citation and it says, you know, from Frank Herbert, the Lindy against mm-hmm. fear, the Bene Gesserit. I'm like, they actually took from a fiction book. <laughs> and this is an, a legit ritual on like a webpage for, for like, a, I think it's actually for the, the Sekhmet Lodge in, in Portland. I think I found it. Uh, and it's like, this so is like, uh, what, what, so is how legit is this really? How I mean, legit is this ritual if they're just pulling off a dune? But that's the thing. It, it is legit because, I mean, they're a recognized part of the OTO. Like, this is like a legitimate right. chapter. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's so weird. I mean, I guess because it, it makes, if you think about Thelema, the point is intention. So it doesn't really, as long that's as the true. words have. I was going to yeah. say that. As long as, yeah, you can, you, yeah. Which, yeah. by the way, I just, uh, hint, hint, audience, if you're confused about when my book comes out, it's all about intention, those rituals, right? Intention. We're just, we're just gonna get that in there. So early. when I, so when I change the name of the book, eventually you guys will have the the inside track of of what's gonna happen. You know, because <laughs> yes. um, again, it's the I actually sent it to somebody because 
it's again one of those things where it's like kind of normal, kind of normal, kind of normal. What the fuck is happening? Uh, <laughs> like periphery where it's, you know, a normal guy trying to get a job. Everything's are happening and there's birds raining on him, you know? So there's this one of like, is this interesting enough to get you to here? And they're like, yeah, I can't, um, I really, I can't wait to find out what happens next. I'm like, mm-hmm. Ooh, and I haven't even gotten to the swerve yet. Yay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Alex. This is the female Alex. I'm calling to tell you a spooky ghost experience that I had. So in 2009, I moved back in with my mother when I was in between jobs. The moment I first stepped into the house she was renting, I felt something strange. The house had a very bad energy. I don't know how else to explain it. Within the first few days of living there, I was already seeing shadows moving out of the corner of my eye, out of the periphery, and the door to my bedroom would open and close on its own. I figured that either the house was haunted or I was going insane. I couldn't decide which one. So I was taking a shower one day and I felt like somebody was watching me. You know, that feeling when somebody's watching you. I was a little freaked out and decided to wash my hair quickly. Then all of a sudden, it felt like somebody was touching my head. Then it felt like somebody was washing my hair, like at a salon. I could feel hands scrubbing the shampoo out of my hair. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about this. (laughs) I screamed. I pissed myself a little bit, thank goodness I was in the shower, and I ran out of the shower still covered in soap. I've never been this scared before in my entire life. My mom heard the commotion and was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So I told her that I think this house is haunted and a ghost just tried to wash my hair. She sighed and told me that the owner of the house's husband had committed suicide in the garage several years ago and that my mom had been having weird experiences ever since she started renting the house. And she didn't want to tell me this because she didn't want to freak me out. So right then and there, we decided that we had to get this ghost out of there. We had to make him move on to wherever ghosts move on to. And so we didn't have a perverted hair washing ghost in our house anymore. We started calling the ghost Dave. That was the guy that killed himself, and his name was still on the mailbox and the door knocker of the house. So we started smudging the house every day. We put crystals in every corner of every room, but it only made it worse. Things in the house started going crazy. Lights turning on and off on their own, and faucets too. Doors opening and closing, things moving on their own. The dogs were completely erratic, barking at things that weren't even there, uh, just constantly panicking. Things would go missing and turn up in impossible places. Shadows were moving. It was was an extremely active ghost. This wasn't just a residual energy. He interacted with us every day. We asked him politely to leave. We commanded him forcefully to leave. And one drunk night, we even cried and begged him to leave. And yeah, still, about every third time I would take a shower, he would try to help me wash my hair. It was so messed up. 
We called in psychics. They confirmed all of our thoughts. One psychic told me that Dave particularly liked me because I reminded him of his daughter. That was even weirder because why would you want to wash your daughter's hair in the shower? Just, just more pervert. It's just weird. Uh, we did so many house cleansings. We even had a Catholic priest bless the house, but nothing worked. It all just made it worse. We started having objects be thrown across the room, like poltergeist style, whenever we had guests over. So obviously, nobody ever wanted to come over after that. We couldn't even go into the garage. As soon as you stepped over the threshold from the house to the garage, it felt like someone was dumping like a bucket of ice cold water on you. Uh, like it was just it was just so bizarre and creepy. We didn't even go into the garage. Uh, we eventually had to move out, and uh, since then nobody has rented the house for more than a couple months. And I still get anxiety every time I wash my hair because I'm afraid I'll feel somebody's hands on my head trying to help me. So that's my story of losing the battle with Dave the Ghost. Thanks for listening to that insanity, and have a happy Halloween. Hello, Alex. Thought I'd chime in and add a little bit of content for your uh, listener special. It's Eden, English guy who's been on this podcast a couple of times in the past, and I've been listening for quite some time. Um, just going off the back of the questions that you pose, where you're asking for input on this front. I honestly can't remember how I got connected to you in the first place. I, I wager it was Death Squad, that it was as simple as somebody putting both of our Twitter handles up, me looking at yours and going, oh, he does a podcast, listening to it and thinking to myself, damn, this is actually really interesting, and it's coming from an angle that i not really had in my life, shall we say. A lot of the ideas and concepts and the, the things that you talk about on the show are really to be perfectly honest, in my experience, the people that I've known have completely denigrated and ignored a great deal of the spiritual, weird, abstract kind of concepts that you throw out and uh, play around with. And I find that very interesting. It's something that I've taken a lot from. And uh, I won't say that I've had my mind blown wide open, but I've certainly had a lot of pause for thought uh, with regard to Gnosticism, Tarot, all of these kinds of esoteric things that, as I say, they're widely dismissed as just being guff. And I like the way that you manage to be quite reasonable and rational whilst at the same time indulging the ideas. And that's something that, again, that's, that's just not out there in the world enough, I don't think. I think that there are a lot of people scared of playing around with those kinds of concepts for fear of having finger pointed at them and being told you're a paranoid, you're a magical thinker, or you're, you're into ridiculous pseudo-religious practices, and as such, you're to be dismissed as a complete nutball. And the more that I've listened, the more that I've taken on, the less that I've found myself having those kinds of thoughts. Because, like, full disclosure, having grown up in those kinds of circumstances, it's hard not to have a certain degree of indoctrination and knee-jerk reaction when it comes to that kind of thing. I can certainly uh, think to a point a couple of years back where if somebody had said to me, let's talk about the meaning of tarot cards, I would have said to you, wow, that's really fucking pointless. I've got zero interest in that. Let's talk about psychology and sociology and be done with it. Whereas these days, I can see a, 
I don't know, there's, there's a broader context and reason to want to appreciate a lot of these things. When you look back through history and the, uh, the effects on, on the societies and the individuals within those societies, the people that interacted with them, when you're dealing with the likes of Alistair Crowley, that kind of thing, there, there's a genuine reason to take an interest in the, the thematic aspects of what they talked about, the, the broader implications of that, and the, what they intended when they discuss things in mystical terms and that, and how that affects the, the psyche, individuals, that kind of thing. And for that, thank you. Um, I mean, I don't want to gush too much and I don't want to swell your ego by uh, saying that this is, I don't know, the, the greatest podcast on earth or anything like that. I, I think you've probably got enough of a, uh, a reason within you to be able to see that. And I don't know. I'm tying myself up in not trying not to be too nice, but ultimately I don't see any reason not to be. Thank you very much, Alex. I've enjoyed the podcast. I hope that I get a chance to go on it again and um, that you continue to do what you do. It's kind of like how people like the really traditional, like uh, religious people where it's like, oh, there's just all I can perceive of God is guy with beard in cloud instead of something with any kind of nuance. Cause this is where I agree with the modern atheist movement. Yeah, guy with beard and cloud is really stupid. Like, there's yeah. there's no fucking way that's the answer. But, I mean, maybe yeah. there's a, you know, a one in a 18 quad billion percent chance. But, yeah, there's there's no fucking way. But yeah. because Poor it just... Poor literal rep- interpretation. Yeah, oh, well, that's just... That's, one, that's, a, that's a stopper for me in any conversation where <laughs> it's in that, you know, in the, in the Bible as we know it. Like, whatever, you know... If you read, like, Genesis has two different accounts for how humans got made, and they don't agree with each other. And that's in the first fucking book. Like, if that's a literal, like, if you're supposed to take that book literally, like, you you can't. And if you can, Mm -hmm. I mean, frankly, you have critical thinking skills that are drastically lacking, because I don't think you're allowed to take things literally at that point because you don't understand what figurative means. <laughs> exactly. To me, it's like there's definite parallels to someone stumbling upon some secret information that talks about, uh, you know, multidimensional communication with entities and they're re- looking at it and they don't have the context. So they interpret it as uh, a, like a literal reptilian being. Yeah. And that, there's a real parallel to someone who looks at the Bible, which, you know, I'm kind of over it, but. The people have pointed out some really interesting things coded deep within it. Um, but yeah, of course, there's pe- the people who have the literal interpretation. That's way over their head. Yeah. Well, that's that narrative. The interesting thing is, it, so throwing out the literal interpretation, let's let's just agree that that's, we're yeah, never going to take so that. so dumb yeah. to not, this shouldn't even be talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in the, in the figurative one, it is interesting because going back to the mushroom being the cause of evolution, if you take, because in, in the, in the Bible, it just is the fruit of the tree. It doesn't say apple or anything. It just is the fruit of the tree. Yeah. There is a theory that that's a mushroom, that this is yeah. like kind of a remnant remembrance of how we, you know, how we got smart. And that's something that appears in a lot of, like Greek has the, the myth of uh, Eris and the, I think it's Eris and the apple or no, 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 it's Pandora, right? She's the one that gets all the, either way, there's a very similar myth of uh, the first person wanting knowledge and then mm-hmm. knowledge coming in the form of like, you know, this tangible object that's weird that that would overlap so much. And if we are kind of built from, you know, space mushrooms, that kind of mm-hmm. makes it like we have this weird monkey memory still hanging out in us. So we tried to like tell a story about it to try to make sense. Yeah. I think that when you look at the tree of knowledge and the, or the fruit of knowledge, I mean, once you have 
a psychedelic context, once you've had a few experiences in that realm and you think about ancient people trying to describe that experience, what word would you put on that other than knowledge? You know, oh, totally. to me, yeah. I, I feel like there's a strong case for that. And also, uh, John Michael Allegro is one of the guys who wrote a book, that's, uh, Sacred Mushroom and the Cross, and he makes the case that a lot of our traditions for uh, Christmas come from the mushroom. Santa's red and white suit is the red and white of the Amanita muscaria mushroom. Uh, the idea that the reindeer are flying, you know, is a kind of a psychedelic thing. You know, people seeing the reindeer fly. Also, uh, I guess hanging stockings above the mantle was used they used to hang the mushroom again stockings being red and white you'd hang the mushrooms to dry so far out stuff but these weird traditions that have been commercialized in modern society have a strange basis and for them to be based on something potentially the mushroom which is illegal in today's society it's so funny to think that macy's has their Santa Claus out here and all, we're bringing all our kids out to see Santa Claus which is some archetype that might have manifested based on the mushroom somehow. It's kind of ironic that a guy on mushrooms or who represents mushrooms would be the last place you'd be taking your kids. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. At a Macy's. Well, this goes to that kind of thing of like, you know, language having power that this is the, this is actually the uh, kind of the plan of the ruling elite to, to use a, you know, kind of really trite term because it's way too yeah. big, but that, so we, there is a Thor's day in the week. There is a Wednesday in the week. There is every major pagan holiday has been usurped by Christian things. So we are giving power to all these ancient concepts in our everyday life without realizing it. Yes. So yeah. one of the kind of, and sadly it's a from David Icke, but from a million years ago, David Icke, before he was lizard people, he used to call it the Lucifer consciousness that mm-hmm. the bad guys essentially are these evil kind of spirits that feed off of, you know, negative vibes or feed off of like, the, uh, you know, ritual or feed off of praise. And yeah. if like taking that in, it's like, oh, shit, that's because if there is a, if there is a one grand conspiracy, they suck at it. <laughs> like they should have won a while ago, you know? Yeah. That's why I like the Archon idea of Gnosticism, the, which is exactly that. It's a spiritual parasite. That either, and I guess there's debate, some interpretate, interpret it one way or another, but either knowingly or unknowingly uh, interfaces with people and either kind of, either their basically psychopathic behavior would be, we think of it as like a chemical imbalance perhaps, but it could be more of a possession or a hijacking by this parasitic spiritual force. Uh, it's it's far out, but I, I do like the idea because then when you get into why do billionaires need to rape kids in basements uh, on the altar, maybe because they're possessed by the archons. Yeah. I don't and, know. Because you seem like, why would they care about that? Maybe just, a, I guess, a gross showing of power. But there's, I think, you know, plenty of whispers about strange rituals and they have to be inspired by something. Yeah, I just, I... I found it through a really dumb video uh, that I couldn't resist. I talked about it on my uh, on the show, but um, it was. It, it, have you heard Jimmy Savile, that we, that English presenter guy that got busted for basically you know messing with kids? Yeah. So I found a video on YouTube that vaguely well produced, but like you know some of the, some of the stuff in there is wild. But it's uh, it's called like was Jimmy Savile uh, like was Jimmy Savile a dark wizard or something? It was what's the <laughs> title of it? But it goes through and apparently. He was caught, like, 
there's pictures of him in ceremonial garb that looked to me, and I know a fair bit about magic, look like magical garb. Mm-hmm. He had like ceremonies places from what I've heard. He had hidden chambers under the, um, under a children's hospital and under the, um, under like a prison, I think was the other one where he like kept an apartment there. And, and it's that, you know, feeding off a dark energy thing. Where else are you going to find more dark energy than under a prison? And then, under the hospital. And it's just, there's some crazy stuff there where it's like, I had heard about all that stuff, what we're talking about, the dark, why would you have a ritual in your basement? Like we're aware of this. And then when something new comes out that almost confirms it, that's when it starts from like, Oh, well this is some weird shit that, you know, wacky people are inventing a theory about to this is science. We, we talked about a theory and then more evidence showed up for that theory. That's, kind of hard to put down at that point yeah yeah it's the the magic thing the energy thing you have a way better understanding of it than i do but i do find it fascinating even like you said about the days of the week and us giving our energy just by being consciously aware of saying saturday you know we're, we're giving our attention subconsciously to saturn uh that's fascinating that th- and i get i get the logic there but i don't get what it does really in the end. You know what I mean? Like you can make the case for it, but what's the, you know, what are they getting out of creating that paradigm? Yeah. Other than just the energy thing, that's the only thing I could come up with. And this is something I wanted to ask you is like, what, what do you think the point of all this is like the, the grand conspiracy? If there is the, the builder group, the, the Illuminati, the, et cetera, et cetera, all the, the, the top things we've heard about through the years, what yeah, are they trying I, to do? Because, I mean, again, they suck at it if they're trying to just take over. Like, they should have been able to do that in 16, whatever. Like, this is... So something else is going on if they're there, and some are there. Like, the Builder Group exists. I've seen pictures of their meetings. Like, yeah. some of the shit is happening. So what? what's their goal? I don't... You know, I, that's well, where I get lost. Yeah, I mean, and that it really is... D- kind of pinpointing motivations of something is is a real gray area that's tough but i mean i could make a pretty good argument i think that they they are doing a pretty good job that they do have a pretty solid control on things when we're talking about uh fractional reserve banking or just this whole banking network i mean there's very few countries that aren't involved when you talk about uh economic hitman or you know going to these smaller nations and getting control of them i mean when you i I think the stat is 85% of or 85 people have as much wealth as half the planet. I mean, there's your global elite right there. They're doing a pretty good job if their mission is wealth extraction. All the major corporations seem to be uh, lockstep with similar agendas. Uh, education is about dumbing people down. And, you know, uh, the police force is getting more aggressive all the time. Uh, our food is not in great shape right now. If you have any problems with GMOs or anything. Uh, I mean, I, I think I could make an argument that they're doing a pretty good job. Well, I, I, yeah, on that side, yeah. I, what you're saying is, an argu- I, I guess I more mean is what's the end game of, I suppose, I think this is, I was trying to talk about this the other day, and I think maybe I just don't have that gene for like wanting power or wanting all the money. Oh, right. Is what, what now? Like, all right, so you have like, yeah, they have a bunch of money, but is that it? Is that the... Like, it's all this, like, conspiratorial stuff, like, all these people, like, behind the scenes. Is it really something It's just now they have more money? Is that the... Yeah, I Like, I that's agree. the part that, yeah. I do agree with you there. And that's another area where I come back to the idea of an, of a, 
a parasite or some type of archonic possession because why don't why when is enough enough you know um i've had tremendous luck with this show's success in the past year and i now put out five shows a month and get paid enough to pay my bills to do that and that's about i mean really if when you get down to it it's like 50 or 60 hours a month of course there's a lot of stuff that goes with it but just doing the show it doesn't take a whole lot of work and I like to enjoy my time off and I can only imagine like when is enough enough? You know, I could probably do 10 shows a month and charge $10 instead, but I don't want to do that much work. And when you look at a guy like David Rockefeller, I'm like, you kind of go to a nine to five every day, man. You may have a billion in the bank, but you're still going to all these meetings and worrying about what other people are doing. Like buy an island and get high and relax. All I, all I can perceive of God is guy with beard in cloud. Multidimensional communication with entities. And they're re- looking at it and they don't have the context. So they interpret it as uh, a, like a literal reptilian being. Yeah. The reindeer are flying. We are kind of built from, you know, space mushrooms. Far out stuff. Once you have a psychedelic context once you've had a few experiences in that realm and you think about ancient people trying to describe that experience what word would you put on that other than knowledge the reindeer are flying you know people seeing the reindeer fly far out stuff The reindeer are flying. Far out stuff. You know, people seeing the reindeer fly. A guy on mushrooms or who represents mushrooms would be the last place you'd be taking your kids. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. At a Macy's. <laughs> Laboriously pronounced opening statement. Welcome to Eveningdale. Flight 19, lost since 1945, briefly landed on the recreation center earlier today. The middle school soccer team was found to be unharmed, but now they can pass through solid objects. A murder of crows was seen circling the temporary landing site. Their claws were reported to have sounded frustrated. Further progress was made on the station in the woods earlier this week. Mayor Stephen Occult last name issued the following statement. Unfortunate citizens of Eveningdale, we are proud to announce that the station in the woods again has its southernmost wall. We are still moving forward with the filling of the thing's footprints. Eveningdale Parks Department has assured me that all traces of the incident 
will be wiped from our history. Old Lady Sylvia Remains was seen again running down Main Street, screaming in a language no one yet knows. If you have any information to her whereabouts, please contact Sergeant Mysterious Name at the police station. Here is a one-liner about another 14 topic. Fuck it. Let's just say in a practice over-enunciated tone that fish rained from the sky. Black helicopters are currently circling the veterinary clinic. There is no sign of little Lucy Ermintrout's puppy snuffles or the supposed vaccine for the all-consuming plague little snuffles carries. Dr. Ermintrout, Lucy's father, was not available for comment. A new report from Evening Dale University has revealed that in upwards of three-fourths of clouds are actually semi-opaque flatworms. They feed on lost planes and chemtrails. There is no report yet on what they are planning up there. Yet another one-liner about a presumably normal thing that takes a paranormal slant. The local turtles are now made from marzipan and can be seen stuck to the Mill Creek Bridge in syrupy, sticky, alliterative adjectives to trick you into thinking this is good writing. Beware the tasty terrapins. We just received a report from a reliable witness that yet another pointless chunk of paranormal esoterica has been mentioned on a podcast. There will be no follow-up, and please do not look for any plot development. I want to take a moment to thank the people out there for donations that keep the show on air and for the various science fiction and conspiracy writers which I took all the concepts in this show from. Until next time, I'm essentially a paranormal jukebox. Good evening. From all of us here on the squeaky couch of doom in the echo chamber, I wish you uh, Godspeed, good luck, and man, I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. I wish I could leave you something better. Alright, alright. I'm going to read something random to you to end this episode. Because I feel like I haven't really given you that much. Alright, this is going to be the beginning of... Yeah, yeah, alright. I'm going to read you the first little bit of the demonic possession book that I'm writing. Uh, this is with me and my friend Sean. Uh, this is a part that I wrote. And it is uh, kind of unedited. 
I don't remember if I did this again. But anyway, the, the point is, I'm going to read this to you. This is a little comedic kind of, well, comedic, it's, yeah, comedic-ish thing called Possession so far. So far, the world had ended, sort of. Everyone was dead or occupied by demons, almost. Eric had gone to get a pack of nicotine gum from the Walgreens down the road. It's been three months since they left Portland, the site of their conversion to believers. We'll talk about that later, I should think. The hotel's air conditioning is working at half capacity, at best, and they're collecting the various books that will keep safe their eternal souls, safe from the sinners and demons we seem to encounter in these dark days since the seal was broken, or the die was cast, or, well, we have no idea what really happened to bring this on. Could have been Kali Yuga. It could have been the Mayan 2012 thing happening a bit early, or maybe... It's just a simple, old-fashioned, Satan-is-back apocalypse. In any case, the last few months have seen people falling to the floor and rising up something sinister. Demons, ghosts, gods, devils, jerks, douchebags, born-agains, new-agers, members of the modern atheist movement. In other words, people fall down a soulful thing, possessed with all their humanity. And once they rise, they are possessed with something else, something primal, something evil, or in the least irritating. Eric and John saw themselves as above-average people. Two men in their 20s just waiting for the gifts they possessed to be discovered by the world at large, to sell that great novel, to pen that great play. They were the average above-average people of the early 21st century. John collected worthless books and enjoyed downloading music without pay. Eric smoked cigarettes and thought that drinking whiskey made him look tough, like a real badass. They both lack anything you'd describe as religion. In fact, if cowardice wasn't a factor, they'd both be card-carrying atheists. But... As in the case with most self-absorbed average, above-average people, they fear the inevitable end of self and the scary chasm beyond. Now, I say that in the past tense for a very good reason. As mentioned earlier, the veil between realities seemed to have been rent. Not like with money rent. I mean, like torn in half, you know, like when the curtain in the temple was rent when Jesus died. Whatever. The point is, it's tough to be an atheist when your parents and half your block get possessed by devils and have become seemingly impervious to aluminum baseball bats which was an awkward discovery, one that Eric and John and the fractured skulls of their recent parents would like to keep quiet. It was in February when the reports started coming in, people acting as beasts, drinking blood, cannibalism, speaking in tongues, killing without mercy, killing with mercy in a kind of ritual faction, probably Aztec or Mayan, maybe an Inca or the all-forgotten Olmec. And the key feature of all these reports, the thing that gave credence to the stories because of its universality, univer that word, was the complete loss of the previous personality. One moment a mother smiling, playing with her child, the next a snarling demon chasing a little girl comically through the playground, her soulless eyes paradoxically reflecting the snow. John and Eric paid attention to the reports in that half-listening way you'd paid, paid attention to SNL when the guest is hamming their way through a sketch with the ugly actor of that year. No, not the fat one. The ugly one that's usually forced in the drag. Yeah, 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 him. It was in March that the first of the TV stations shut off. A local Maryland channel. Kids shows in the morning followed by soaps, followed by Seinfeld reruns, and eventually followed by 45-minute proclamation of a man in a sundress claiming to be Ahura Mazda, the wise lord, his black eyes memorizing the camera. Mesmerizing the camera. Then nothing. Channel 7 silenced forever. The national nightmare had truly begun. Anyway... John and Eric were holed up in a shitty motel waiting for the apocalypse. John's house had re recently taken the spitting up bones and roaches from the basement. Eric's apartment building had a bad infestation of mice. This has little or nothing to do with all this ghostly business. Eric is simply a chiseler and didn't spend his money on a good apartment. I mean, honestly, he saw all the black seed-looking things in the pantry on the walkthrough. Do you think the previous tenant was some kind of rye-bright addict? Asshole. 
Really, both of them are idiots, but the mice thing just gets to me when I think about it. I try not to. Sorry. Uh, anyway, the two of them are homeless now, and not sure what the next move would be, aside from Eric's idea to go out and pick some nicotine gum. John, a devout non-smoker, told them to get some American spirits. It's the end of the world. No real reason to avoid vices and cancer, is there? And then, um, so that's the first little bit, and then it goes into him at Walgreens. And I fucked up a couple times reading that, but as listeners to the early episodes of the show know, I'm not a good public reader, <laughs> which isn't a term. Uh, I'm sponsored by a bar in Portland. It is a lovely bar. I like it very much. I go there myself, even if they didn't sponsor me. It's called The Standard. It's 14 Northeast 22nd in Portland, Oregon. Uh, you can find them online at facebook.com slash thestandardpdx. And yeah, show up. Enjoy. Uh, I always recommend uh, Sunday nights. It's $3 microbrew nights. You'll see me there if you want to sidle up next to your favorite uncomfortable podcaster and see me as I futilely attempt to write a book at a bar. And uh, yeah, it'll be good. I could use the interruption. So yes, that is it. Very quick this week. I don't know. Yeah, <clears throat> it'd be it'd be uh that that's uh the bookstore on on twenty uh, third called I think it's I, how do you say it? Dedalus? Daedalus? Daedalus? The the Daedalus. Daedalus. Yeah. <clears throat> they occasionally have some. They have some rad um like ritualistic stuff that I've seen. That's oh, really? Like that. That, that seems pl- pretty legit. Where's that one? A lot of it's twenty third and what I mean. So you're on twenty. Like if you go all the way up Burnside through downtown and you know heading west, take a right on twenty third. It's immediately. It's like a couple blocks in on your right hand side. Tucked, oh, okay. It's tucked away right there. But yeah. they have like you got to kind of search for it. But th- I would know. I noticed some really cool uh, stuff there in in the metaphysics section. Oh, nice. And stuff. Yeah, I should check that out because I've been looking. Mm-hmm. I want to pick up some more because I'm kind of at like the stuff. I mean, kind of. So, and some of them very expensive. Oh, well, maybe I won't look there because <laughs> I've been uh, like, oh, these are yeah. actually like old and yeah. See, maybe have cool. some uh, validity. I some. I just I, I thought I'm at the end of kind of the practice I've been working on. Uh, just whatever the random shit I've been doing, them like. I need to move on to something else or get deeper into them. And I don't really like getting deeper because I'm not a big memorize a bunch of shit. And cause I'm come from the chaos magic side. Like just mm-hmm. your intention fucking changes the universe. I don't need specific fancy words and I need this exact chemical and this, but like that's, 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 that's you I don't can, know. Might be, yeah, you might yeah. be able to do that stuff just with your thoughts. I, that's my thought behind it. And as long as you feel magical while you're doing it, mm. that's the point. And I don't need all that like window mm. dressing to make it magical, but like I'm kind of out of, the surface level stuff to read so it's like the next thing is i either have to start taking steps deeper to start getting into like you know the arrangements of the you know the signs and the time of the year and the blah blah blah, like all the like the that kind of next level sigil making crap and it's like i don't it's not like i don't want to but it's like that takes a lot of effort and just Mm -hmm. i'm not going to concentrate but it's like if i could find a fun store but how much how how much more simple is this like just uh, stick with meditation and stuff yeah, I mean, that's the idea. I, like, I like sigil work. Like, you write down your intention on a piece of paper, you make a sigil out of it, you burn it, you put blood on it, whatever you want to do, and empower it. And, and <laughs> Piss on it. <laughs> yeah. But no, pissing on is part of it. I do, I do blood work all the time. I actually got yeah. one of those, um, one of those little pricky things for diabetics uh-huh. to prick your finger. Like, because uh-huh. to me, giving blood to something is, that seems powerful. And if I think it's powerful, it is. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the, that's the entire point. It's like, you know, I would it, agree with that. At least to, you know, my approach to it. And, I and mean, frankly, I'm the one doing it. So my approach is the one that matters in this situation. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not like I have fucking Alistair Crowley behind me going like, no, you mm-hmm. must do the every third step of the manual must be turned upside down in third ways and sideways. And now it must rhyme backwards and say it in an Like, yeah, I get it, dude. Like, 
that's really cool and you're like great at that but you know i i have other shit to <laughs> you do. were very you were very thorough of, yeah it, like you're one is. of the greatest mages of the 20th century got it but the thing is i have a day job and i'm writing mm. fiction books and stuff like i don't i don't really have like a lot of I'm, <laughs> I'm good like i don't i don't i can't do i don't have a house that my parents bought me on fucking mm. you know on the lock fucking lock nest like yeah. it's not you know, this is i get yeah. it you know you didn't. You didn't. You're not going to go climb uh, the Himalayan mount. But he climbed the Himalayan mountains just for. Yeah, he was a mountaineer, dude. Just, when he just was younger. for fun. Yeah. Just for fun. I'm going to go yeah. do that real quick. Well, that was the time. Everybody was all adventurous back then. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that was yeah. I, I yeah. So I'll check out that bookstore. The I was going up to um, um, Moonshadow is the place I go to. That pagan shop on uh-huh. Belmont. Yep. Um. So if anybody in Portland likes pagan stuff, go to Moonshadow. They're cool people. But yeah, I was also going to say. Oh, 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 on the on the quest for all the sci-fi books that I, that, uh, I ran across a rad store in Olympia called uh, Last Word Books, and they were it was really cool. You would like it because yeah. it was it was it was dark, and you know every book every bookstore I go into now has a cat, which is it's just that's just yeah. a book it's just a bookstore thing. But the actually, cat, you're right? I've actually seen a lot of cats in bookstores yeah, the, lately too. The cat yeah. kind of greeted me in this dark corner, and then yeah. I, once I finally started talking to the owner, he was like, he started going out. He goes, "Oh, we got rad shit here." And he would go, he would pull stuff off that I, you know, in different areas, crazy stuff, uh, LSD, uh, manufacturing, uh, oh, really? nitroglycerin, bo- like bombs, oh, that's awesome. like yeah. crazy yeah. political stuff, yeah. anti-establishment, literally how to make a bomb, how to, how to, uh, there was all these pamphlets on like how to clear my record, my criminal history yeah. and all this crazy, oh, awesome, he, he goes, he goes, Oh, there's a lot of hidden gems. And he knew. He knew his shit. He yeah. was like, he knew everything from that stuff to, uh, like what the first co- uh, first edition hardcover of Red Dawn is worth, which wow. is apparently a lot. But uh, anyway, like that shitty movie from the 80s, Red Dawn? Or, uh, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Uh, The Hunt for Red October. Oh, okay. Do you mean that, that shitty that, movie from the 80s, Red <laughs> <for Red October? laughs> The Clancy, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was looking at, uh, the, uh, Multnomah County website today. I was looking for audiobooks because you could, like, download shit from them. And I get, mm. so I'm like, I click, uh, I click classic literature and audiobooks. And the first page is fucking Tom Clancy. No. And who's that other shithead? Grisham. Classic uh, literature. And there was, uh, I forget the other one, uh, a, a guide to geishas. What was the one that made the movie that was really famous? Geishas oh, something. Uh, yeah. The memoirs. Memoirs of, of geisha. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was like, this is your classic literature is, I mean, I get what wow, you're, I get really? the, I think maybe, I guess they forgot the word modern. Because I can see that as modern classic. I'm not going to agree with them, but at least I could see the thought behind yeah. it. Or maybe they just don't, didn't have enough fucking it might be, audio yeah, books. I don't know. Just, yeah, it might yeah. just be modern, not even modern classic. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really fucking odd. Uh, you should check out. Uh, I don't modern know. Mo- modern <laughs> modern books that were made yeah. into a movie. Have you gone to uh, that uh, uh, Mother Foucault's? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, I bought, yeah. I bought quite a bit from there. Not they don't have what I'm collect, but uh, yeah, I, I, I get, think, but I, but I get caught up anyway. In yeah, there. I didn't. Think they had much sci-fi but they had um they had just weird books i, I only yes. went in the once and i was like oh this place is weird mm-hmm. and they had a weird book in there that he, the guy showed me because I, I i had bought a aldous huxley book of yeah. some kind and uh he pulled out this other one this aldous huxley book that was all about it was so weird it was all about um the functioning of the eye and going blind oh completely 
rant. Weird. I, so weird that I almost bought it. Then I, then I was, like, I was oh, like, yeah, I was like, he, I was like, you went blind, didn't he? Something. Yeah, it was something about. Yeah. So, I go, I go, Matt. You don't need this. Yeah. <laughs> he probably won't even. I probably won't. Would never read it. But I was. Like, yeah. No. That's. Kind of had it in my hand. I so I understand like, the urge for that. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've had that. Not that book, but I've had that book in my hand multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um. There's. I like that store. If you go to um. Uh, if you're ever in Seattle, have you ever been to the occult library there? No. There's um, there's an occult library in Seattle. It's apparently like in an office building, like under a Starbucks. There's like no <laughs> sign because they won't let them put up a sign. You have to hit like a bell. But uh-huh. if you it just if you're ever next time you're in Seattle, I mean you're in Olympia, so maybe there's you're passing through. But look it up. Sometimes you have to like give them like tell them you're showing up for them to open. But mm-hmm. apparently it's cool. Like they've got. I think somebody told me they have a first edition signed Crowley or a first edition Crowley. Like they have uh. Um, is it a maybe not even is a, it things for sale or not, they're not like a normal library where you can check it out probably I don't know I think they're kind of a combination from what I understand I've not been in there mm-hmm. the one person that's been in there that told me about it the I didn't ask that question but what the vibe I got was that it was kind of a lending library slash looking library and I think they probably sold shit mm-hmm. but um, they had if it wasn't a first edition Crowley it was something Crowley owned like mm-hmm. like which is that's pretty that's got to be pretty rare right yeah you know? Um, but yeah, it's in, it's in Seattle and I'm never up there. And it was one of those places like, oh fuck, I really want to go just for, yeah, cause just what a weird place to be in, you know? And it seems like that's one of those people that you'd want to have a conversation with. Yeah. I would like to, I'll, I'll totally check that out next time I'm up there. I'm trying to, I've been to places. There's also a place called the Tacoma bookstore, which was like a really in It's right by the Tacoma dome and it's this weird industrial, uh, brick uh, I bought some things there, but uh, oh yeah, I tried to go to that when I was in Tacoma. It was actually. weird. It was yeah. kind of weird. Uh, but, uh, we didn't. We ended up. I think maybe it was closed that day or something. But yeah, we. I tried to go to that because I'd heard <laughs> it's like this um, uh, must see. It's kind of and, interesting in there. Yeah, uh, we didn't actually make it in. I think. I think it was closed, and I saw the outside, and just went mm, whatever. Yeah it's, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty desolate looking. Yeah, I. I, I my but, mistake. Yeah. But they had. They had. It was back in there. But uh, yeah, I need to. I need to definitely go into some Seattle bookstores next. Yeah, the um that occult one's supposed to be really fucking cool. Uh, it's the the idea. It's one of the you know the better occult shops in in you know the country or whatever. There's also mm-hmm. uh, not shops but libraries. Have you been to and I don't it, I guess it's not a bookstore but it's one of those places I keep meaning to go to in town that um uh it's like okay I'm gonna say something really dumb and hopefully you know me well enough so you can put real words into it mm-hmm. like Mister Amazo's Arcanium. And it's on like 23rd <laughs> and like down by like Thurman. Dr. Parnassus. It's, it's something um, like that. It's like a, I, I have, I have a cultorama or something. I think I know what you're talking about. I, uh, I don't know what it is. I just, I, I read something about it and it, uh, uh, apparently it's like a combination of like, a, like a freak show kind of, not a freak show, like a, um, oddities. Yeah. Like an oddities shop, but then like kind of like a kitschy, touristy kind of concept like you can get like ice cream with like fake ants on it or maybe real ants like <laughs> it's it just peculiarium i think is the name of it okay no. um yeah i've not been there either but it's I'll one of those places out. i keep meaning to go up to because there's also another good uh occulty shop up there that that new renaissance books i think it's called mm-hmm. that place is good um i don't know about the book selection but they've got a ton of crystals and like weird ass uh like yeah. I-, I bought um Oh, actually, I bought that carnelian right there, which I think that's not carnelian, but whatever that red one is. This one? Yeah. Um, I bought that there. I forget the name of it. I went for like a worry stone or like something to like kind of, mm. uh, you know, relieve anxiety or whatever. And they pointed that out. And um, 
I can't remember the name of it. It's like sanguinite or current. Uh, it's something Is blood, it some- bloodstone, sanguine. It's something blood related. Well, and to uh, to actually like uh, get uh, the healing properties out out of something like that. What what do you? Is it just something as simple as carrying it around? For the for that one, yeah. Uh, well, that's that's what the lady at the store hold, told me. Is it. that like it's kind of like yeah, just like a worry stone, like you mm-hmm. just rub it or hold it. And then there's other ones that you're supposed to like. This is um, I have all my. I did this um, I did a, a show with this uh, the higher side chats. It's a, a podcast. It's actually a little bit bigger than mine. Actually, quite a bit bigger than mine. And uh, so I was a little nervous because uh, I was on there kind of as like a, a cult expert, essentially. Like mm-hmm. I went on, I did tarot reading on the show. It was like kind of made mm-hmm. me nervous. So I brought out all my magical, like fucking my chakra stones and all my random, yeah. that's why all my crystals that's are awesome. out. My that's big geode. That's like a, uh, I forget what the fuck it's called, but uh, agate, yeah. um, rose agate or something. But this is selenite, which is, this one is um, for cleansing. So the idea is that like if you put it under running water and it's actually like it's dissolvable in water, not just like, not it, yeah, it kind of looks like a salt. Yeah. And it, the, the point is that like, you can like literally do like, you know, signs of the cross or like any kind of like chaos. You like, if you want to do the chaos uh, arrows, uh, you know, chaos star. Mm-hmm. And like this one, you can do like full like, kind of ritual with put it at the end of a wand and like uh, go in a bath and kind of stir your bath with it. And this, you know, this is, you know, there's like thought behind that <laughs> one. And that one there's like, you know, there's like, mm-hmm. it sort of depends. And, this is uh we were we were talking about black work. tourmaline which is yeah, yeah. Tourmaline. we were my coworker was wondering we we deal with a lot of difficult people at work so he's like he started looking at the properties of gems and stuff he's like he's like i need something that protects me against psychic vampires yeah where, where you're dealing where you're doing customer service and you they and then they put you through the ringer so bad that they actually have uh they have that um yeah he 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 was going so far as to like i need to wear this at work yeah, um, I don't remember what it what it is, but I know I, at one point I saw they uh some I was looking at some occult shop online and they have a, a you know talismans that they make with you know wrapping up yeah. whatever and whatever and blessing it and there was one for protection <laughs> protection mm-hmm. against psychic vampires. Um, just one of that phrase you know sprung a memory because like it's weird to hear it like it's weird <laughs> to read it because you're just like you know what it means but it's just kind of odd where it's one of those kind of moments where you look at your life weirdly where it's like well i'm on the internet right now and i'm looking at something that says psychic vampire on it and and i'm not kidding like this is something i'm actually looking at like i was looking at robes to buy like buy a full you know magical robe Mm -hmm. because one i think it would be um i think it'd be fun to have like for doing ceremony in because i don't know i think it's kind of cool to have a robe and then two kind of cold in here sometimes so it'd be nice to have a robe <laughs> yeah because you know functional as well as to wear, you know, around, to wear around the house when yeah I'm, when I'm, why not uh, you know when i'm cooking but i was i was that and i actually found myself on fucking amazon looking at fucking ritual robes on amazon i was like what the fuck happened to your life bowl it's like what where how did it's this, funny yeah. <laughs> like i like i know that it goes from a point of like extreme interest and like well my, well that one looks good exactly and then and then bam you're like dude you're like, what are you doing? It's it is it is the same feeling <laughs> of after you've come and then you look at back at the computer screen at what you just jerked off to and it's oh what are you what are you doing like why is this what it takes now yeah why are you like and it's usually not like I don't look at any like extreme anything but it's just like one of those like. Where, is, where you went, you went just a little too far down. Yeah. Rabbit or like, you know, you're, you're talking to somebody like, online and kind of like, like, wait. And then you're like, I'm interested in that. Yeah. Or like for me, it's like you're talking to somebody online and you're like getting all like sexy with them, whatever. And then you're done. You're like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what, is, what the hell is wrong with me? 
it's 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 just a like you had the guy that said on nine eleven that no one actually died. I forget his name. Yeah, yeah, that's a weird one. Like I said, people do take these things to really odd extremes. Um, the one thing I did think that was kind of cool about the flat Earth argument that I never really considered is just the composition that they think the Earth is made of. Because I would assume, like you know, obviously the first thing you think is, well, where's the edge? Why don't you fly off the edge? And when they break it down and say, well, the composition of the Earth is actually like the UN's flag, where the North Pole would be in the center, like a bullseye, with the uh, continents around, and then the outside ring is Antarctica, and you kind of fly around like as you would the rings of a dartboard. I was like, huh, that's actually kind of interesting. You know, I never would have, uh, I never would have thought of that before. I would have just automatically dismissed it. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool, but. Of course, in the end, I, I wasn't convinced. Yeah, <laughs> the, that was see my my problem. Not, not not to just pick on that guy, but that was the one that really like annoyed me recently. Is so for his theory to work is we have to have the largest conspiracy ever that every single space photo is faked. There's a giant wall of ice surrounding the Earth. Like there's this mountain of of things that have to be made you know made up for this yeah. for his view to work. And somehow there's no whistleblowers other than him. Just the simple solution is is well, it's it's obviously a round Earth. Like it's yeah. you know the I, like I I like people questioning because I don't believe in a lot of the horseshit I was taught. It's generally most of it was wrong or at least a really easy version of things, but not a not a giant wall of ice surrounding the Earth. But, yeah. yeah, it it isn't it is a lot, but I would also say just to make it more provocative, I say. I mean, he he points out in the interview that from your personal perspective, uh, the Earth does look flat, or it should. I mean, the horizon's always flat, and to get the information of around Earth, you really do have to go to some type of authority uh, of some type. And I'm not saying obviously that everybody is keeping this big secret, but um, you know, the average person, maybe more now than ever, of course, but not so much in uh, you know the early 1900s. You don't have the kind of tools necessary to prove that to yourself. You know, you do have to trust someone. Well, I, um, so, and I guess that's a, that's a loose thing to hinge an entire theory on. But, you know, like I said, it, people take that paranoia to the utmost extremes and throw the baby out with all the bathwater and don't trust anything. Yeah, I sort of just the, the, the flat earth one is one that especially gets me because the whole the, 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 there's a thing referred to as the myth of the flat earth. Um, it's a fun thing to look into if you ever get bored. I mean, you got enough on your hands, but no one in the past ever thought the earth, earth was flat. That's, that's a, that's a fallacy. That was, I think it came out in like the 17 or 1800s. It was, uh, some famous writer. I don't remember his name. I wish I had written it down beforehand. I would have seemed so smart right now, made a <laughs> reference that the, that all the people of the past thought the world was flat. No one did like all the, all the Greek writers, the philosophers, they refer to it as a sphere, um, I actually sent you a link at one point. This guy, uh, I don't remember his name, but in like 300 BC, calculated the circumference of the Earth, and he was within like a thousand miles, using just like basically he used the um, the like the sun at the solstice, and then like looked at a shadow, that kind of thing, and like figured it yeah. out. So they all knew. It just became right. this kind of recent thing. So just actually, weirdly enough, the conspiracy is that there ever was a flat Earth theory. <laughs> you know, well, oddly that's enough, the yeah. funny twist on it. Yeah. yeah, 
I mean, you can also look at uh, some Egyptian hieroglyphs that show the composition of the planets up out until uh, till Saturn. So, I mean, yeah, of course, also so many ancient cultures had pretty advanced astrology, which, I mean, they don't necessarily have to think that the Earth is round for that, but you probably get some type of indication that you're in some type of space and there's other things out there. Yeah. And then the other thing I didn't get about his argument, maybe I was just being dense, but I didn't understand how... Like, the reason we we all knew the Earth was round is because you could watch a ship go out to the horizon and watch it, you know, kind of cross the horizon and look like it's sinking down. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand in his theory, wh- where where does that boat go then? Because you're seeing this curve of the Earth by watching the boat go away. Sorry, I don't mean to right. hype on this one guy who's just like, no, it got me. Yeah. We're just, you know, we're just spitballing yeah. and this is where we are. And I like playing devil's advocate for really crazy things that even I don't believe because it's yeah. just fun. I, I really don't know. I think he would just say that the distance is what yeah. causes it to go away. Yeah. But he does show some kind of compelling videos of people tying HD cameras to balloons and just sending them straight up. And as high up as it goes, you never see the uh, the horizon change from looking flat. And it's kind of funny because I went on a cruise really shortly after that episode and the whole time up to going out, I was like, I can't wait to get in the middle of the damn ocean <laughs> and just see as far out as I can see if I see any curve, you know. And uh, I, I didn't, and I, I couldn't stop saying to my girlfriend, I'm saying, see, look at this flat earth we're on. <laughs> you could see, <laughs> and, uh, I, it, I was, I was going to, I really, I was going to invite that guy on my show and yell at him. I'm like, yeah, I'll do whatever. That's, let him have You should, fun. man, because yeah. I think he, what I will say is he invites debate. And I, I like yeah. that about him is that I thought he was pretty willing to deal with some of the, some of the issues people might have with it. I feel like he does have an answer to everything, whether, you know, obviously it's the end premise isn't correct, yeah, but yeah. he does have an answer to everything that I think makes you scratch your head and you're like, huh, yeah, I guess, I, I guess that's an answer. Oh, no, totally. Like he did a good job in that before I heard that interview, if you said, hey, Alex, is there any way you can sound like an intelligent person while defending the flat earth? I'd be like, hell no, you can't. You're going to sound like <laughs> half an idiot. And that guy actually sounded like an intelligent guy that just, he's got his head around something weird, you know? Yeah. And is that's kind of what make and there are people who emailed me and said, you know, you're doing a disservice by getting this guy on the air because this is clearly ludicrous and, you know, you're supposed to be searching for the truth and now you're you're kind of dis, you know, you're discrediting yourself and the movement and I'm like, look, you are putting way too much on this singular episode. I my premise was I looked into it a little bit, thought he had some good rebuttals for mainstream science and thought if i don't do this episode if the higher side chats doesn't do the flat earth episode who is going to do it okay. nobody is going to do it oh totally no I, i'm i'm happy you did it it was just one of those i mean and this is the thing it, it caused a debate it got people to talk and that's you know that's the point of what we do like you know if if you were trying to be you know a science educator you would you wouldn't be hosting a podcast you would have gone to school and, you know, been a science educator. You know, there's no, you know, you, it, it isn't the higher side chat starring Dr. Greg and his explanation for everything. Right. Let us start with, that pause was me trying to figure out if I want to start with reading um, or playing. Let us start with playing. This one probably isn't a call-in because it's 12 seconds long, but I just want to see what happens live on there.
Okay, that actually probably was a planned call-in. Alright, so that was someone saying boo at me. Thank you, <clears throat> caller. Hey guys, if you want to support the show, please go to alexcast.com, Alex with two X's. If you want to find us on social media, go to alexcast.com, at the AlexCast on Twitter, and Producer Michael can be found, where are we going? Uh, Facebook.com slash IOTA, or SoundCloud.com slash Real IOTA. Those things. What evening. Mm-hmm.